Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Gatoon, live from WGN Radio. This is Tech Nori. Uh, joining me, the very first person I had on my show when I came here to WGN is back, only under a different title, Howard Tolman. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm happy to be back. Yeah, it's great, right? Was, uh, was it? It was So it was March, <clears throat> end of March was the first show, on March 21st or something like that. So the weather's a little nicer this right. time. It's and still, then we did the thing in the parking lot. Well, yeah, that was right? amazing. Legends was <laughs> Legends was great. That was, that was, what, July, end of July of last year, whatever. That was I don't know if we're going to be able to repeat that. Even. Like it was such a a crazy like just putting it together. You know the I mean you know the deal working with the city. You know you know how this goes. It was it was quite a scene to put together. Yeah, it was. It was good. It was I, a good I had a good time. Uh, so last time it was CEO of 1871. Now right. you have moved on to other stuff, uh, and I would love to share with our audience and and for everybody else sort of you know what you're up to. Uh, and then also, I'd like to learn everything that I don't already know and that they don't know about Kaplan, because I think it's a sure. a really unique thing. We talked about it before we came in the show, how I just think uh, IIT is doing it, Illinois Tech is doing it different than other universities. And I think that while it's all good and well for the students there, of course, which is important, I mean, they're paying money. I actually think it really has a, a major impact on the community at large and especially corporations who are working around here. And bringing you in, I think, just sort of makes it all really seamless well that's the goal i mean the first of all um you know it definitely has the uh longest name in the history of mankind so it's yeah. the uh, ed kaplan family institute for innovation and tech entrepreneurship which put that on a t-shirt sometime so that's that's like when we did uh, when northwestern did northwestern university medill school of journalism integrated communication and whatever else they yeah added exactly since or you know or the pritzker school of law northwestern yeah. <laughs> university yeah so but anyway um no we're excited it's a brand new building it's the first new academic building on the campus in 40 years um, it's going to be a place where every student will take some courses and basically focusing on entrepreneurship and innovation. And then there are maker labs. There are a bunch of collaborative spaces. There's going to be all kinds of new technologies. And the goal is to, you know, take uh, a school which nobody knows about, to tell you the truth. I mean, yeah. it's, it's shocking how close it is and how much there is in the way of resources. And, you know, one of the things that came out of 1871 that was so clear was every single company that came in said, how do we get diverse technology, you know, uh, talent? And we said, you know, have you even thought about IIT? Yeah. But, you know, they, they don't even know it's there. And, you know, this is a, an amazing place. About 40% of the kids are first generation in college. Okay. So one of the things that that means to me is if they get to be an engineer, and especially if they get to be an engineer with some entrepreneur activity and some innovative skills, you know, sort of bolted on, yeah, they're a, an awfully good employee. And I don't think they're leaving. I think that uh, they got family here. This is a big deal. I don't think they get on a bus and head out to Seattle anytime soon. Yeah. So loyal, hardworking, hungry, talented. Uh, very exciting, and and that's really the goal is to use the center, the Kaplan Center, as the doorway to the university in new ways, and to really put it on the map. Much like you know, five years ago, people didn't really understand what 1871 was either, and today it's the number one in the world. So. Well, I think uh, obviously they've tapped the right person uh, for the for the job. I'm not just saying because you're sitting in front of me, but literally, I you know, 
I don't want to bash schools, especially ones that I I went to. Uh, I did too. Yeah, as, as well. Um, but I, there's to me, and I've had a little bit of experience working with uh, some of the professors at IIT doing programs with Technorium. We've done uh, some exercises with their EMBA classes, doing kind of investigations on you know how media is changing, you know financial modeling and so forth. I like the way that they operate. I think they operate differently. How do you envision whether it's under your leadership or just the, the whole package of what the school and you have decided? How do you view them differently? Well, or- I I think the biggest difference is that we're leaning into interdisciplinary everything. Yes, and I think there's still tremendous silos and separations at most of the bigger schools. Most of the schools that have done it for a long time. The turf wars are astonishing, you know, yeah. and. We're going to have, uh, in the Kaplan Center, we'll have the uh, design school. We'll have engineering resources. We'll have, you know, architecture. And when you have all of those resources together, you can really look at the kinds of solutions that we're going to need for the next few years. And believe me, those are going to be human-robotic interaction, human, you know, computer interaction, AI. You can't do these if you're a pure, single-discipline person. Because there's no way to sort of deal with all of the different elements. So the thought that you put together teams, and then, you know, honestly, we want to bring in corporations. We have a, the iPro program, which is designed to take on projects. And I think every corporation that, uh, that we have talked to has said we have real needs. We don't have the resources internally. We'd love to build a pipeline, by the way, for future talented employees, yep. which is the other part. And you're right here in the city. I mean, you can do internships, you can do apprenticeships, you can do co-op programs, and you really can't do those if you're in Champaign. I mean, no, if no, you're yeah. across the country, it's and, and the schools in general just aren't really the, even the ones here are not really well built for that, especially because of the type of student that you like you mentioned that are looking to go to Seattle. Like that's sure. not the way it's set up here. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and I want to talk to you a little bit more about the business side of that and, and sort of the benefits and things that I think. Uh, not only you, but also the school's curriculum is going to bring to the students from a entrepreneurial standpoint versus just, I'm a student who studied an entrepreneurial class, which yeah. is significantly different. <clears throat> uh, so this is uh, WGN Radio AM 720. You're listening to Scott Katoon and, of course, Howard, Tol- Howard Tolman uh, joining us here. We'll be back after this break. TV, I'm Scott Katoon. You're back at the Startup Showcase, joined by Howard Tolman. Howard, welcome back to the show. I'm happy to be here. And, you know, it occurs to me that I guess I'm a startup again. You are. You know, we're we got a brand new you, building. We're putting in, you know, all of the stuff that you do. You know, we've got uh, sitting here with Steelcase, which is one of our partners, and they're uh, making major contributions to uh, the furniture. And, and there's going to be some new sort of experimental spaces that'll be really interesting. If you guys have any extra buoy chairs, right. I'm open. Right. I've okay. got, I love them. Okay. I sit on Well, I say that I love them. I have a bunch of them. I don't sit on them personally, yeah. but right. I love them. Yeah. Uh, no, and this is what the 250th time you've been able to say that yeah, I'm a startup again. It's, fri- it's frightening, it, but you know it's good. It keeps you sort of uh, fresh and active, and you know there's a lot of uh, process in these big universities. Yes, and you know our plan is to sort of not figure that we're going to convince 100 percent of everybody to do anything. But in every pocket of the university, there are people who are interested and excited. And uh, if we get them and we get students who are turned on, I think it's going to be a really exciting place. I I agree. I think, um, you know, they've got the right guy for a multitude of reasons. I think one of the things that has been a challenge for almost everyone who's come from the private business sector 
to a university is that they get caught up in the red tape. They just yeah. don't know how to manage it. And it's not, it doesn't, I mean, I don't, I'm sure you're the same way with this, but like red tape is not a friend uh, for, for us most of the time, but there are certain processes in a university that have to be a certain way. Yeah. I, you know, look, I've been the president of, you know, two universities, yep. so it's not like uh, I haven't dealt with and, both and that's sides. Why, that's that's right. what I'm saying. Like bringing yeah, you in so makes I've sense. I've dealt with both them. sides. Plus we are, you know, uh, an independent institute in a sense, but you know, part of our plan is to really spread everything we're doing across the whole, you know, the whole university. Yep. And so, um, we'll see. You know, honestly, you know, I think that the first year, uh, you know, the goal is to get everything up and operating, and I think the second year is to do something that was really important at 1871, which is if these, uh, you know kinds of attempts don't have a business focus and yep. if they don't start to pay for themselves you know then it turns into just another building yeah and so this is going to be about promotion about media about getting the story out there and partnering with a lot of companies and really demonstrating that uh, we can bring tremendous value i mean you know one of the interesting things is how much around design these days requires you know sort of maker capability yep and you know we have Hub. But M-Hub is pretty much you go there and you do what you're going to do. Here you have you know faculty and resources and a lot of other talented students, and that's a different experience. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't. I think M-Hub, which is great, I think M-Hub just lacks a little bit of that like play lab, if that makes sense. Um, which I mean, obviously, that's not what Bill's trying to trying right. to do there. So it makes perfect sense. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit before the the break about the difference that this is for the students. And it's kind of interesting. You've brought this up a few times uh, sort of while telling the story that when I, like when I was finishing up at Northwestern, the, the buzzword of the century was design thinking. Sure. Stanford sure. had, you know, now they got the sure. D school the and D everything's school, crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and I had the fortune of, of taking some classes, albeit online from the D school during design thinking and, you know, built, built a business around it basically. Um, <clears throat> but for whatever reason, the multidisciplinary ability to go across all the universities has just always had a hard time. And when I talked to the folks at IIT, it was like, no, 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 we like, this is, and I, I don't know why this is, but it just for them. And for me, it was like a, the light bulb just went off. They're like, no, 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 we've got this very highly regarded law school that is specifically in the IP practice. We've got design school, engineering, we've got, you know, an MBA. Sure, like it was sure. like, it was no, a no look, brainer. They got we're, it. We're in fact, the, the law school is designing, uh, collaboration agreement, which everybody will sign uh, who is participating on certain of these projects. And the goal is, look, on day one, you're not going to sit there and carve up the pie. You know, I like to yeah. say, let's rob the train first yeah. Yeah, and then absolutely. we'll worry about the equity, right? Yeah. So this basically memorializes that. And Kent is helping us do that to have a document that says eventually we'll get there, but let's, let's make sure we got something first and then we'll build off of that. So we're going to have a certain kind of uh, agreement that covers that uh, down the line there'll be every kind of organization you know there'll be students who have a great idea and who take it out and turn it into a business there'll be students who the whole team of students will be sort of folded in an aqua hire kind of thing to yep. some big company because they love what they're doing uh, you know generally universities have another issue which is all around ip and yeah. So, you know, who owns it and whatever. And at universities, traditionally, the IP is actually owned by the students. But, you know, in this new digital world, it's hard to say 
what you really invented. You know? Correct. I mean, what, yes. Whose idea was it? And you know, so much of this stuff now is going to have to be built on top of the existing platforms. So if you're you know somebody who's running on top of uh, Salesforce or on top of Facebook or on top of these things. Uh, you know, it's very difficult to allocate exactly what you brought to the story and what's an ownership opportunity and things like that. Well, I actually think that's a really unique difference that IIT has here. And uh, and I have to say, I've said this to him, the minute I came back to IIT, I said, I want to remind Dean Soul that he rejected my admission to Kent Law School. I just wanted him to rem- make just, just make, make it, it very clear. clear. Right, no. Right. Um, can you open that case again? Is right, what I'm, no, right. uh, no, I'm busy now. I'm yeah, you don't want to go to law yeah, school. I, I went to law school. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I, I see what K. Kira, uh, well, I guess relativity is doing down there. And I think, nah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Um, but the, the point that was made by him when we spoke was uh, just the, the sheer amount of IP that IIT has and different opportunities that that makes for uh, students who have entrepreneurial desires. And maybe you don't have the idea, but you want to learn how to yeah, build something. Totally. And you know what? It doesn't matter... <clears throat> whether or not you end up with a viable super win product it's going through the process because these are life skills you know this is the same thing we're doing a diet you know the high school where we're teaching the ninth graders and tenth graders to be entrepreneurs i mean you know they learn to present themselves they learn to tell a simple story they learn to get better every day they learn to sort of be persistent and those skills are set you up for life so if you go through that a couple of times and you're you're just a different person i mean so not every one of these ideas is going to turn into an invoiceable business sure but every one of these people is going to be a better employee because they're going to be open to more of the processes you know engineers are not so different from lawyers in that they think there's a hundred percent right answer yeah and you know what <clears throat> the internet and that is, they have it <laughs> and the internet is full of answers yes and what you really want are people who can ask smart questions now yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, and it, it's interesting because like, I've had a chance now to experience this a little bit uh, firsthand. I mentor a couple of kids at Marquette, and I was asked to be on their innovation board, and they, they had nothing. I mean, yeah. it was like a closet when you go in there uh, for what they called their innovation studio, and, and now it's like a whole building. It's great. And the, the kid that I was mentoring, uh, Davis, he's now on his third venture since I started mentoring him two years ago, and now he actually has paying clients, and it's like a real thing. Yeah. He's a real business. Yeah. He's leaving. When he's done with school, he's, he's going to, to work sure. for his you know for himself. Um, and it's a unique uh, you were mentioning it's a life skills. It's a process, learning the process. I actually think that if done properly, and that's where you bring a very unique difference, I think to, to any university, uh, is, is learning how to fail in a safe environment, right? Rather than right. I got out of college, I have almost no money. What little money I do have, I'm going to try this and I fail. It, it takes, yeah. it doesn't matter who you are. It takes two or three times to like learn yeah, what absolutely. you don't know. And, it, and it's expensive. Oh I mean, yeah. You know, if you not can, that school's not, but <clears throat> if you can pursue your ideas, in the context of uh, with the safety net and have not to make the capital investments, not to do some of these things until you know a little bit more about your idea. And yourself, right? Yeah, and yourself. you got to learn, like, how do I handle the pressure? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I had, you know, I just had this argument with uh, Ram. I mean, he was, you know, told me that his greatest lessons have been, you know, from his failures. And I said, well, I could understand that in his case, but that (laughs) it's not my custom to fail. And he took that really hard. I, was I like, suspect he, was he like, did. Oh, you're spinning it, you know. But in any event, I think you learn from everything that, that goes on. But I think particularly, you learn that you know you just pick yourself up and you keep going. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I totally agree. Uh, we have to take our, our quick break here. We'll come back with the news, and then if you have any time, I'd love to just kind of get into you personally a little bit. Sure. What are the things you're still uh, kind of interested in working in. So uh, we will be back after this break. 
Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm Scott Katoon, joined by Howard Tolman. Uh, Howard, thank you for hanging out for 52 commercials or whatever we hit it's just okay. It's okay. Uh, happy to be here. Somebody's got to pay the bills around here because it isn't me. Uh, it's Allstate. We're in the Allstate studio for the last, uh, I guess, June, end of June is, or, for, or beginning of June is the last time they're going to have shows here, which is kind of sad. But uh, I wanted to, you know, we talked about Kaplan. Obviously, we talked about the, the difference there a little bit. Uh, but I don't know if all the people, every time you come on the shows and you're on the media tour, it's always plugging whatever, you know, you, you're repping. <laughs> and very few people get to actually, like, sit down and be like, Howard, what do you like to do? Yeah. What, you know what yeah. little time you have left with well the- actually we're you know we're excited we're working with probably three or four companies that uh are living in our space in our g2 space and um they're each of them is very interesting i mean one is uh, a group of guys who are developing so hearing aids are going to go over the counter uh by the end of the year so that they're developing an app to test your hearing and, and tune your hearing aids, uh, an iPhone app. Which I is, will be due for that. Which is if you spend a lot of time yeah, with these with the things. Cans, right. Oh, the it's cans brutal. Are, are I can't. Deaf. Like, uh, although j- we have these new Sony ones, the the new Sony. If you're on a plane, in terms of sound deadening and really amazing sound, uh, the Sony things are. Um, just great. I so. think I've blown the ears out at this point. Like Jen, every single time we have a conversation in the morning like or at what? night, she's like, "Why are you so loud?" Right. right. Like, well, well, this is well anyway, so they're doing that. We've got a group that's working on uh, technology that interprets how successful advertising will be, various uh, video advertising, <clears throat> and then we have uh, a group that's working on uh, tickets, on uh, new sort of approaches to how you get tickets for special events and contingent cool. events. And you know, honestly, it's fun to sit. And every day we do different things, and a lot of this will find its way into Kaplan because, uh, again, it's all about. Uh, taking these industries and they're being disrupted and being part of that process. So I, so the answer is, uh, you know, I'm spending a fair amount of time on uh, AR and VR. We just installed a lab at Diet School. Uh, spending, Tell people a little bit about that too, because I don't. So, think so the Diet this. School is a really interesting situation. It's on 51st Street. It was one of the schools that was targeted to be closed by the mayor. Uh, the parents had a hunger strike and uh, they relented. And they gave them about 15 million bucks to refurbish the school. And today, we're just about in the fall, we'll add our third class back. So we have freshmen and sophomores, we'll have juniors. But this facility is gorgeous. It's got an Olympic-sized pool. It's got a great gym. It's on the northern tip of Washington Park. And uh, we go down there and teach uh, ninth graders to be entrepreneurs. And then the 10th graders take a coding class. And, you know, it's changed their perspective. Uh, their attendance is better. Their grades are up. And it's a model for the fact that if you don't make school, you know, interesting for kids again, yeah. that, you know, it's the saddest thing you hear is when kids say that school is the most boring place I go. It's just criminal that we do this. You know, you can be sloppy in business, and that's just too bad. But if you're sloppy in education, it's like a sin. I mean, you're screwing oh, yeah, oh, up you, these kids' yeah, lives. Yes, you know, quite and, literally. And well, and yourselves. I mean, this is self-fulfilling. So, yeah. you know, these kids eventually work, you know, replaces. Yeah, so, so this ideally. has been exciting. And, and the kids, you know, uh, watching these kids mature just year over year and going down and working with them. So we teach about 12 classes, you know, a course. And I wrote a book, you know, that we use as the text. And uh, it's been great. And, you know, that's very rewarding because when you raise these kids' horizons, and the last class is always at 1871. Yep. And, you know, when they see that there's more possibilities in life, uh, that's very important, too. And all of this 
is the same story, which is these are life skills. You know, it's not about building a Kool-Aid stand. It's about learning to tell their story and to do everything that it takes to be successful. Well, I think everyone appreciates it, obviously, in the city. And, you know, it's one of those things where I have gotten into many arguments with a lot of people about the education, how I just don't see it being useful the way that it's being done it's currently. Not. It's not. It's the old factory model. It's like one size fits all, and nobody believes that anymore. It's going to have to be personalized learning. The great news is Leap Innovations, which is yes, one of the 1871 yeah. incubators in education, just got $14 million bucks from uh, the Chan Zuckerberg Foundation to add more schools. It'll be up to about 100 schools where they'll literally sit in a class and have a dashboard and have some controls, and each kid will be dealt with as an individual. And some of them will be remedial, and some will be extra credit, and some will be on par, but you won't be slowing anybody down because you won't have to teach to the lowest common denominator. That's just the craziest thing that goes on now. It is, you know, and honestly, like as a as a student growing up, I always had a very hard time with just the normal education. I was I was a person who would look at the problem and look at it backwards and kind of reverse engineer the solution to it. And teachers just look at you. I don't know if it was lazy or just didn't understand what was going on with me. Like what was wrong with this kid? But they didn't want to take the time to go away from what was put in front of them on the rubric. Like yeah, that's what sure. we do. Well, that's and you know, look, they have been trained and compensated and rewarded and acknowledged all by teaching for the test i mean well, you know, sure. we keep score and that's going away and the sooner it goes away i think the better off we'll be and i think the, the sad part actually is that like a lot of the teachers if you ask them they would they would they would say the same exact thing oh yeah they just can't like, yeah that's, no that's i think they do. can't and i think also that <clears throat> they are desperate for technology but you know that's a cost thing i mean when apple was here at lane tech they announced a lot of new technology that'll be available on the iPad. Yep. But the smartest thing that they did by far was uh, they have a little facility on each iPad. And when you're in a class, everybody's picture comes up and you press your picture and that makes the iPad personal to you. And what this does is it means you don't have to have one-to-one. And I know, yeah. you know your girlfriend is one-to-one yep. school, yep. but not every school is like that. Sure. And so, as a result, this lets you take five or six of them and share them across a class without making an investment that the school can't afford. It's really clever. I mean, because basically it says, I press this button and this is now personal to me. And that's the whole story. That's what we want to do all across the board is everybody, every kid will have a digital portfolio. And that'll be, you know, sort of how they keep score and how we track their progress. And it's going to be about... You know, have they mastered this stuff and not about how long has their butt been in some chair yep. in some class? Well, I mean, it couldn't come at a more important time because we're, I mean... We're behind. We're way behind. We're way behind. And not just on education. We're, we're The way that tech is changing things, we're just, it's like we're not paying attention. We don't want to pay attention. Uh, and also, thank you for, for dropping her in that way. You just gave me some <laughs> points here. Uh, I, since I have you, I want to ask one last question before I let you go. Um, Anybody and, who's a teacher is good well, in my yes, book. Yeah. Right? Well, yes. Good in my book. By all, all the women in my family are teachers, so right. like I came and was like, oh, I I understand what you're up to. Yeah, I didn't get the yeah. gist. Uh, but the question that has always, when I watch you, especially when I was back in 1871, I would see you flying through the halls, uh, is how do you manage to pick uh, things that you can, you talked about the companies at G2, that you could assist and mentor. You don't have to get hands-on, but just be able to. And how, how did you figure out how to utilize your time in an efficient way that is both beneficial to the you know entrepreneurs, but also worth your time? Yeah. 
Well, look, I I think it's just like my art collecting, okay? If you showed me the world's greatest landscape, I would say that was boring. Yeah. And if you showed me some abstract thing, I would say I'm not interested. So you have to filter. Yeah. So I don't do anything in medicine. I don't do anything in healthcare because I don't know anything and I can't add to that. You process. know some people though that I are in that people. space. I have, a few yes, I have a few some people. adopted relatives. I often say he's adopted. It's not true. And it, and he and Lee just raised a hundred million dollar fund and more power to him. It's yeah. great. And I'm excited for him. But so one of the things you do is you try to, you know, I always say that uh, you don't want to take directions from somebody who hasn't been there before. Yeah. So I stick to my knitting. I stick to the stuff that I understand and where I think I can add value. It's not about money in terms of you can get money now as a startup from a lot of people. What you really want is somebody who can be value added. And that's a lot harder to come by. I've said before many times to to the companies that come through the show and stage that if you have an opportunity to go on with someone, the capital really is you can always find someone who's got a a check that they can cut. Yeah. And by the way, the other thing is, you know, these guys have to do two things. One, they have to bring more than money. But two, and I'm seeing this more and more as our companies are uh, into the growth stage, so Spot Hero or Snapsheet or any of these companies, you know, when you're an investor, if you're a venture investor, you have to be a good sport and a good board member, and you have to be sort of willing to understand that it's not about you and your return. And, you know, I've been in meetings where everybody takes a step back and says, this isn't necessarily in the selfish interest of my particular investment, but it's what's right for the company. And if you're not that kind of player, you're not really a good investor or a good board member, but those are not easy to come by. No, that's very true. I I will say I am seeing more and having conversations with investors who are recognizing that a hundred percent of nothing is nothing. Absolutely. And that's, that's one of the things that I think just the same as anything else you got to learn you have to go through the go through the hits and chicago is starting to go through the hits and i got like mini goosebumps when he said you're you're equipped because i've always said to people uh don't take advice from somebody you wouldn't trade places with that's right. always been my right. my bit so when he said it, i was like eh, yeah. i'm on yeah. the right path not so bad not so bad uh howard thank you so much for taking yeah, the time I'm happy to be here thanks for having me uh and please let us know if there's anything we can do to continue to promote kaplan and all right well the grand opening is october 25th you'll get uh, and see a lot of stuff before then And commencement, actually, at IIT is this Saturday, and I'm the commencement speaker. So uh, I'll be uh, there, and I hope it's not 1,000 degrees outside. You would, yeah, I would Uh, hope not. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Very cool. And then I want to make make sure people can follow you, because you write stuff everywhere, and it's worth a read. Just my weekly blog is on inc.com. My uh, own, you know, personal blog is tolman.blogspot.com. Follow him on Tolman at Twitter. And Twitter or, you know. Everywhere. Everywhere. Everywhere except All right. no Glenn Tolman. It's and, but, well, this is why this is why I took over Tolman. I figured if I did Howard, it would be easy for Glenn to have Glenn. Yeah, so now, now he's, he has now to do he has Glenn to play or G Tolman or That's something. Right. There's no chance. He's got to play catch up. Unbelievable, Howard. Thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Thanks. We will be back after this. I'm Scott Katoon, and that's Howard Tolman, and you've been listening to WGN AM 720. Welcome back to Tech Noir Live at WGN Radio. I'm Scott Katoon. We are going to go into the actual uh, startup showcase portion of the show. We have spent the last 45 minutes or so uh, bounced between Howard Tolman and commercials, and uh, Howard is one of the most fascinating individuals that you're ever going to meet, and uh, and it's been amazing to spend some time with Howard at 1871, and now to actually see what they're doing at Kaplan, just incredible stuff. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I know I did. I could literally sit here all day long. Uh, with Howard Tolman and the stories would just never end and never get old. Uh, so without further ado, we want to bring our company coming in here, Parlay, the founder. Keith is joining us on the phone. Keith, you there? 
Scott, I am. How's it going, man? Happy Cinco de Mayo. Yes, happy Cinco de Mayo. How are you doing? We're doing good. It's beautiful out here. Let's get this done, and then we can go enjoy ourselves. I hear you on that one. I think uh, the beverages, I can already see it, like walking, rolling down Michigan Avenue. Uh, so here's the deal. I'm we talked about for, this. Yeah, I'm waiting for a margarita. Oh, absolutely. We, we talked about this briefly uh, when we spoke uh, offline. The deal is here. I'm going to give you three minutes. I want you to pitch uh, what what the company does, why it does it, and how and why we should put our money in it. And then uh, after that, I might be ask you a couple questions. And if people want to call in, you can call in at 312-981-7200. And we will uh, throw some questions at you. So without further ado, take it away, Keith. Cool. Sounds good. So I'd like everybody listening to just try and take a moment and think about all the different digital products, meaning pieces of software that you use every single day in your life, right? You probably have a few for work, a few to make your life easier or more convenient, some social media apps, so on and so forth. Well, now that you've got those in mind, I want everyone to try and recall the last time that someone actually capable of building the products you use got in touch with you and asked you for your input on something they were thinking of improving. And I don't mean a marketing or salesperson trying to get you to become a customer or a customer support person trying to get you to fill out a survey. I mean someone actually capable and more importantly responsible for improving the products you use every single day. Can you recall it happening once in the last six months? In my whole career, I build software for a living. I've never been asked by one of the teams behind the products I use. So the question is obviously, how can a product team possibly know what it should be building for its users if it never actually talks to those users? But let's imagine a totally different world, right? One in which the end users, you folks listening, had the ability to collaborate directly with all of the different teams behind those products you use, and by doing so, had the ability to control the future of those products, what was going to be built or what should not be built. That is essentially the world that we're working toward with Parlay. So in a nutshell, Parlay is a customer collaboration platform, and it's designed to transform the way these digital product teams engage users like you in the hopes of building better, more useful, more enjoyable products. And the way it works is we essentially give product teams the tools they need to preview all the new feature ideas they're considering for their apps in the exact location where those features may one day exist inside of their live products. Users then have the ability to essentially toggle on a labs mode view of all those different apps and pieces of software they use. That allows them to review all these proposed features, provide feedback, and even propose features of their own. Parlay then analyzes all of that feedback and user sentiment, and it allows us to suggest a single next step for those product teams, meaning should they build the features, should they continue working on them, or should they kill them entirely and not commit any time and money for this? So while a lot of users say, hey, this sounds really great for me, as one of the people building products like this, I can attest that it is even more beneficial for people like me. You see, we are spending thousands of hours and millions of dollars continuing to iterate and build on our products. And we have no idea what the impact of these, all these feature ideas we're considering are going to actually have until we've already spent the time and money coding them and launching them to our user population. So what ends up happening is we have a lot of expensive duds. So parlay for these product teams essentially allows them to validate the impact of all these potential new feature ideas they have uh, before they write a single line of code, before they spend any of that time consuming and uh, an expensive development effort building those features for their users. 
So we sort of came up with the idea for Parlay, uh, the three founders and I at our last company, Firecracker, which was recently acquired by Walters Kluwer. And we basically came out of it, came up with the idea simply out of necessity. And so we've taken three years of learnings and a system we developed there, and we've essentially productized it so that any digital product team on the planet can insert it into their web app or their mobile apps and immediately start collaborating with their user bases. I think that's it on a high level. Very well done. Uh, where do people go if they want to invest in it? You can go to the Parlay website, parlay.ai, and right at the top of our website, we link you to our uh, equity crowdfunding campaign on Republic. So parlay.ai is our site. And all you need to do on Republic is literally uh, <laughs> register on Republic, and you can connect your bank account and spend all your money on Parlay, because why wouldn't you? Uh, my one question for you is, what is the, what's the main, like, h- how does the profit model work? We only have about a minute, so I want to be quick on it, but like, what what how do you... Like there's the way we make money right now and then there's the way we make money like long term. How do you what's the big profit model hook for you guys? Yeah, yeah. So you see today there are uh just about a hundred thousand US based software companies yep. and ninety nine percent of them are considered small and medium sized businesses, meaning they have incredibly high execution risk. What we basically allow these teams to do is rather than spend building these features, they can basically partner with Parlay and pay a monthly or annual subscription cost in order to drastically de-risk all of their feature or development efforts. Over time, as we get into these small and medium-sized businesses, not only can we expand our feature set to better cater to different uh, professions within that individual company, meaning marketers, engineers, product managers, product designers, but we can com- continue to make a more robust platform so we can actually move into later stage software companies, big enterprise companies. So we're already talking to a handful of those and we think we can cater to them better down the road. And that, I mean, for the layman who's listening to the show, I mean, I'll, I'll just explain for, for anyone out there, you've all been in a, at a company working on a project and they devote, you know, call it a hundred thousand or a million for that matter. Uh, on some sort of development, and then like halfway through, they pull the plug on it because they realize what it's going to take to sustain it, and it's like, oh, well, uh, you know, we'd rather write off three hundred thousand than write off and lose a million. Uh, this is something that would make that not have to happen. You would have not wasted $300,000 to start with. You would have known what you're doing before you got to it. So uh, very cool That's stuff. Exactly right. uh, Keith, I really appreciate this. Uh, very cool. Where do people go, obviously, to learn more about Parlay? Parlay.ai. Uh, if you want to invest in Parlay, uh, you can go to Technori's Facebook page. I'll be sharing our investment in, in our Republic investment in Parlay. Uh, you can do the same, Parlay.ai. Keith, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Scott. Of course, have a great day. Enjoy those margaritas. Uh, so, yeah, that's the wrap for our show. Uh, you can learn more about what we do every single day at technori.com. Uh, we've got the podcast. If you're not listening to the podcast, you're missing out. Uh, it's the longer commercial-free version of people like Howard Tolman telling me all their innermost, deepest secrets about how they made their wealth. Uh, well, some cases. Most of them actually come in and talk about how they lost all their wealth. Uh, but they they make it back. John Rowe, we had him We had him last week. So, uh, anyway, check us out. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Technori. You can follow me at Katoon. Boom, that's a wrap.